Welcome inside 254. Let's close the office door and start the conversation. Calling all high school and college teachers. You asked us for transcripts, resources, and advice on how to teach the subjects we talk about. We heard you and created Inside 254 Teaching Guides. High quality resources are expensive, and we know you don't have much money, so we priced our guides cheap. Nothing is more than two bucks, because we want to help you teach what we teach. Toxic Masculinity and the First Native American Myth Busting Guide are now available and more subjects will roll out as fall semester progresses. You get lecture notes in the form of a narrative transcript of our discussion of the subject, ready-to-print handouts of writing topics, discussion questions, and a bibliography resource list with active links that work. Go to TeachersPayTeachers.com or download the TPT app and search for Inside 254. Download your own Inside 254 teaching guide today. The talk around the table today is uh, abortion rights and the chipping away or the potential chipping away of Roe v. Wade. And so, uh, like we often do, we're trading up taking point. Colleen is going to take point on this episode. She's done a ton of research. You should see the amount of paper (laughs) sitting on the table right now. I don't know where you're planning on taking us or how you're starting, but I want to ask you, you what I've been seeing is either extreme despair for a lot of women thinking that this is basically the end of the world as we know it, like abortion's going to be illegal, you know, women are going to be forced to have babies and there's no recourse or way to, to stop it or fix it or even make it better. And then I also see some women, some feminists coming up and saying, well, actually, it's already really hard to get an abortion in about 28 states. So really not a lot's going to change because the states that say, yep, abortion's legal and it's available to you, they're not probably not going to change because it's a state law. And then the ones that maybe have some of these laws that are in place that they'll get worse if Roe is overturned. So, you know, we're kind of already there. And I think the position is it doesn't really matter. I, I don't know. My instinct is that it does matter, but I'm hoping you can fill us in on what all this means. And how, like, <laughs> I will try. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> go, go, my friend. Um, so what you just described is actually a really good summary of the conversation that feminists are having. And I think a lot of us are wringing our hands, of course, about Roe. So Roe v. Wade federally said law laws about abortion right so federally and so what that does is take away states the rights to make their own laws about abortion so that was the big deal about roe and i am of the second camp that you just described that i of course am very concerned about roe being overturned but actually i think that if that becomes our focus instead of all the other erosions of abortion law that we might be giving our energy to something that... So here's what's happened. If Roe gets overturned, states will be able to make their own rules and laws. However, they have figured out ways to do that already in certain states in particular that I'll talk about, specifically having to do with like funding issues, um, when abortions can be performed, what um, can must be done or told, issues of consent. Um, so those... 
Roe being overturned will open the floodgates for states to finally get to do what they want. Like Indiana that has continuously, Mike Pence has continuously or did put forward all these state laws that continue to get um, shot down by federal circuits because they go against Roe. So it will open the floodgates for those laws. And you can see the pro-life or I call them anti-choice movement. Um, They're like, sitting with bated breath waiting so if roe overturns that's bad okay but what i want us to get out of this episode is to see that things are already pretty bad even with the protection of roe so that we need to not give all of our energy and focus to roe v wade so here it it is taking a lot of um, oxygen out of the room i think it's getting a lot of social media focus it's got a lot of a lot of media focus and because and it's I, a binary, right? Like okay. you're either for or against Roe v. Wade. It almost feels that way. And so I want to find the nuance in the V, right? The Roe no, like v. That. Wade. Like let's find the little nuance in that V, that that kind of blurring the edges. So, so uh, please me, hear me say, I think Roe is very important. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I was going to ask, I know um, almost as an intellectual exercise, okay, 28 states, it's really hard, but what does that actually mean? Okay. Where it's already hard for a woman to get a safe legal abort. Like, what does that practically mean? Because I feel like we mm-hmm. throw things like that around, all of us, me included. But what practically on the ground, tangibly, what does that mean? This line of the undue burden, undue burden. You're, the, women aren't, are not supposed to have to endure an undue burden to access abortion care. Okay. States have taken that term and made it mean different things. Such as? Okay. Examples. Um, All right. So let's talk about Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my information is coming from the Guttmacher Institute, which is where I go for abortion statistics. They have broken down state by state, state abortion laws. So for example. That's quite a chart. She's holding a very expensive (laughs) chart. First of all, let me say this. One way that undue burden can happen is there can be nowhere to actually get an abortion. Okay, so, so physically no clinic, so no in, hospital, no nothing. Okay. According to 2014 statistics, and these are a little old, I think they're still pretty accurate, at least I know for Mississippi. In Mississippi, Missouri, and Wyoming, there is only one abortion clinic in that state in 2014, in those big states. Those are huge. To, have you yeah. ever been to Wyoming? Wyoming yes. is massive. And uh, Montana has five. Still not. Enough. And these are places you oh can God. get a legal abortion. Wow, so okay. five in the whole state, people. That's nuts. To give you some perspective, wow. Pennsylvania has 20. Yeah. Okay. That's better. And we have still a pretty big state, but. California has 152. Huh. And New York has 95. D.C., the D.C. area has five. So the D.C. area has four more places to get an abortion than Mississippi. Wow. Right? So, but the argument can be, well, like, well, they can get an abortion. That's always what happens, right? right. Well, they can, to the federal government, well, they mm-hmm. can get an abortion. There's this place they can get an abortion. Now. But, you know, what if a woman doesn't have a car? What if oh, she doesn't have a gets, friend who can take her? It gets what if even she more does, complex I mean, than that. Just liter- literally the geographic distance for somebody to travel. They're making a lot of assumptions about well, how much access women have to, any, I don't know, anything. transportation. Yes. So Stephanie <laughs> Toti, who is um, senior counsel at the Center for Reproductive Rights, I loved this quote, 
So policies like that, like we've just talked about, contribute to a real gap between the rights that women have in theory on paper, right? So row, this is what I'm always saying, right? And the rights that women are actually able to exercise in practice. Those kinds of restrictive policies, and we'll talk about some more of those restrictive policies in a sec, have a hugely disproportionate impact on poor women, immigrant women, women of color, and women in rural areas who already face numerous ox- obstacles in accessing safe abortion care. So let's talk mm-hmm. about a woman in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. Mississippi has very low socioeconomic status. Yep. Okay. So now we have a state where women, maybe women of color, certainly of low socioeconomic status, they can get to one, one abortion provider. And that abortion provider uh, might make them wait. Let's see how long they have to wait. So okay. there's a so there's a waiting period built in as well yes. as as so, less locations. So that is, okay, so well. that is something states can do. So states can initiate a waiting period. So when I was working in women's advocacy as an undergraduate, it was 72 hours in Pennsylvania. Now it's 24. What that means though is you have to go in for counseling. That counseling can include in some states mandated counseling having to do with specious science such as saying that abortion causes breast cancer fetal pain or negative psychological effects so in kansas it is required that that counseling that a woman gets she must sit there and listen to information that is wrong scientifically now pennsylvania doesn't have any of those three this is what i'm saying like each state is different she's gonna have to sit there and listen to that And then she's going to have to wait 24 hours until she can actually have the procedure. In some states, like Missouri, where you already only where you got your ass to the one clinic, you have to wait 72 hours. So, in practical terms, if a woman were to have the money, have the transportation, be able to drive to wherever this location is. Like I'm thinking about Pennsylvania. It takes five and a half hours to get from one side of the state mm-hmm. to the other. So assuming you have the money, and I'm, I don't know about the rest of these states. I know Wyoming takes longer to get across, but anyway. Um, so you, you, the woman has the money. You're making that assumption that she's got the transportation. So she gets there, and now she has to find a hotel room yep. and stay there after her initial consultation and wait for 24, 48, 72 hours before she actually goes in. That's That sounds like an undue burden to me. Well, but all this is legal. Why? How is that legal? How is that not an undue burden? Explain. Because I'm... I can't explain I don't it under, to you. I don't understand why that's not... That sounds like an undue burden to me. I can't explain it to you. But it, <sighs> in, in uh, North Carolina, the waiting period is 72 hours. In Alabama and Arizona, it's 48 hours. And we haven't even talked about who has to sign off on that abortion if you are under 18. So let's add that into a mix. Now you are an under 18. So now let's um, talk about if you're under 18 in Missouri and you're underage, you also need your parental consent, not notice. Okay, so there's a difference. Wow. So, so in, like one would be no, this, notifying the parent. Exactly, but, but not signing off. But not sign, okay. Huh. So now imagine this. You also, because you know, everybody has loving parents oh, that yeah. care about their health. 
And if your parents say no, you have to go before a judge. Wow. So imagine now you are poor, right? You have no money. You have gotten to the place. You have done your ridiculous counseling that's mandated about things that have been proven not to be scientifically correct. And now you might also need to go before a judge to get this abortion because no parent will consent to it. Okay, let that and, dig. <laughs> I see that sinking in. And I'm seeing yeah. like, okay, so and then the judge says no. And so now the young woman is forced mm -hmm. to have a baby against her will and will either what because what that it stops there like what she has to f she's forced to have a baby that she either yeah. now has to keep and figure out a way without any money or support network to support or she has to give it up for adoption which is an extremely it can be an extremely um, emotional and sort of possibly devastating especially when you've been forced to have a child you didn't want I mean that that the levels, <laughs> the levels of psychological damage and emotional damage, and to I just that is, to me that is so cruel, cruel that the state would be able to inflict that kind of damage on a woman is abhorrent to me. So let's add into this mix mm -hmm. that Obamacare required coverage of co contraception, but that's now being taken away. So, you know, couple these and Toadie says, when you think about combining that with reduced access to safe abortion care, it's just a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for a public health crisis. This is what you were saying. My notes next to that are it's a recipe for hell on earth for women. Yeah. Because now, again, this is all happening with Roe in place. In place. That's what I mean. I, That's I feel what I like, want us yeah. to see. Like yeah. with Roe in place that the undue burden. I love this because you use the chipping away language and I use the chipping away language. I really like the language Dawn Johnson uses. Uh, she was the legal director of NARAL, which is the National Abortion and Reproductive Rights Action League. And she was the she's now a constitutional scholar, but she was the legal director for it in 1988 to 1993. It's like battleground years for all of this happening. And she doesn't even like the language of chipping away. She says that's not the right metaphor. She says it's more like you're taking a sledgehammer when you're closing three quarters of the clinics. People often say chipping away, but I think it's more like eroding the foundation or hollowing it out. Hmm. And that language really spoke to me because that's what hmm. I think those of us who have been really paying attention have been trying to say is we're, we've hollowed out Roe to the point where I understand the implications of if Roe is overturned. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not as convinced as some other people. I do understand the, the terror and fear about that, though. So you what you just described is like all these states dictating how late into pregnancy. So 43, 43 states have bans dictating how late into pregnancy women can get abortions. The Susan B. Anthony List, which is an anti-choice organization, this has become their focus, instituting a 20-week ban so that after 20 weeks, unless it's, it's sometimes not, but unless there's like a viability issue or the health of the mother, that you absolutely cannot get an abortion after 20 weeks. So this is a legislative priority of the Susan B. Anthony. They have decided, so this is what all these groups are doing. They have decided like ways to make abortion impossible to get. So dictating how late into pregnancy women can get abortions. 
according to the Susan B. Anthony list, 20 weeks is the gold standard. That's what they're trying to do. 43 states have bans dictating how late into pregnancy women can get abortions. 25 states have targeted restrictions on abortion providers, trap laws, imposing strict requirements on abortion clinics and providers. So this is what happened in Texas. So in Texas, what they did is they changed the spaces where abortions could be performed. Things like the hallway size and who has the privilege of performing, uh, you know, when doctors are allowed to go to a hospital. Oh, they yeah, have privileges. Like, yeah, they have yeah, privileges. They have privileges. Mm-hmm. So changing that. So what those laws did is they made it, they created like these weird moving targets. And so, you know, these abortion care providers didn't have money to redo their whole space. An abortion takes about four minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is something that can be done in an office. Mm-hmm. Lots of people go back to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Like this is a medical procedure. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not surgical in the sense of you need to go to like an inpatient. Yeah, general it, anesthesia. Right, like you're having something operated on. It's, it's not, not the same thing. 17 states have counseling laws that require doctors to give patients misleading or inaccurate information. Wow. Some Mis- states oh some God. states require you to be ultrasounded and you don't you aren't forced to look. You could look away, but you're forced to have be ultrasound, have an ultrasound. It's such an invasion of privacy. Oh, oh, there are laws that Texas, Louisiana, and here's Indiana again, Mm -hmm. right? Mike Pence Mm -hmm. trying to require women to pay to bury or cremate fetal remains that could cost up to four hundred dollars. Wow. Now I I had a DNC, and this is stuff that's already in place. Well, and I and like I've written about this in an essay called Ash, like imagining the like three pieces of ash that such a small thing would create. These are laws that are being created to punish women and to create these obstacle courses in order for women to access care. So, again, I will remind you, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land right now. And this shit is all happening. So I think when you hear some feminists and they're like, you know, this is important, but maybe there's something. My biggest concern is how the anti-choice movement is being buoyed by all of these little wins. I really do feel like the momentum in the anti-choice movement, it is in their favor because now the political rhetoric is lining up with all of these undue, what I see as undue burdens, to go back to your question, that the momentum is there. And so what's happening is like, it's almost like, you know, it's like a revolution and we're right at the gates, like Les Miserables or something. Mm-hmm. And they they feel themselves right at the gates. And if Roe falls, it's the done. The gates are open. So, the gates are open. That's okay. what I feel. I can feel them like pulsing right at the gates. Right at the and gates. we're just, we're like, it's good you visual. can't, you, if, if Roe falls then everything collapses and we're back to women having illegal abortions and dying from them because here's the thing mm-hmm. abortion isn't going to go away no abortion is not going to safe, go away legal, legal abortion is going safe, to go away women are safe. not going to stop having abortions no. but it's going to go back into the closets back into the back rooms that's why you hear people talking about coat hangers it is still going to exist 
in order to end this table talk, is mm -hmm. there is there anything positive that we can think about? Like, well, now because really all we're doing right now is in a waiting pattern. We have to see what happens yeah. with the Supreme Court nominees. We have to see what happens with the Senate. We have to see what happens with the elect the midterm elect. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's some things that are up in the air. We're not really sure exactly how this is going to all play out. We're all trying to prognosticate and spitball as best we can based on history and what we're seeing now. Like, I appreciate you laying all that out of what's really going on because I wonder if everybody realizes um, what what's actually already been going on. And mm -hmm. I like that visual of they're at the gates and they're standing there. They're ready to burst through. And it's this one linchpin moment that this row decision that is holding back the floodgates. So um, not prognosticating, you know, if something happens or doesn't happen, but like, what can we do? What yeah. do you think we can do uh, right now? So one thing we can do is work to pr uh, protect Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood has become this cudgel right? It's constantly getting beat, beat upon because it does provide abortion care. Um, I would recommend you go watch their abortion care videos. It's very matter of fact. It's like, here's what it's going to be like. They tell you about different state laws. We have to protect Planned Parenthood because often that is the only place that does abortion care. And the government doesn't give Planned Parenthood money. I want to remind everybody of that again. The government, if a client has Medicaid or some other government subsidized insurance, then that money is paid. But not all states even allow that to happen. So let's remember that. The other thing, and I think the thing that might even be more important is people need to start hashtag shout your abortion. That's something that Lindy West started years ago. I've seen that. If I've we don't, hashtag. if we do not end the stigma and shame surrounding a medical procedure, and it, it's gonna be so much easier to push it back into the dark corners. Everybody's got a different story and everybody needs to make a different choice about how they feel about that. Um, I have never had an abortion, so you I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. I have had a pregnancy that needed to be terminated. And, you know, I can talk about that openly and honestly, mm -hmm. but I have never, I've never been in the position to have an abortion. And frankly, if I were and it were illegal, I have money. And yeah. I say that all the time. I'm like, my daughter needs an abortion. I'll be able to get her one, yeah. even if it's illegal. Like, I understand yeah. that there's privilege in even saying you should maybe consider talking about your abortion. But New York but Times you, just no, ran you, a piece. There are people well talking about it now and coming out of the shadows. Destigmatizing yeah. it requires the women who have had abortions to speak out and share. I mean, even if they're not putting it on blast on Twitter, talk to your friends about it. Talk to your make it it's not a shameful no. thing so stop stop treating it like it is one in four women I mean, will have an abortion in the united states according to the good institute that means like you know our students our uh our, you know, friends. our friends our, our family families. members that's right um rebecca traster has written beautifully about this about abortion in her family and how you know her family has had these choices i there are women talking about abortion and the abortions they've had and saying they are grateful for the abortions that Gloria Steinem wrote a really famous essay about um, how grateful she was for the abortion that the illegal abortion that she had. I know women that had illegal abortions in the 60s who are so incredibly grateful for one that they lived through them 
and also that they they went on and maybe some of them had kids later when it was a better time. Maybe some of them never wanted to have kids. This is a medical procedure mm -hmm. that is being vilified and it is a medical procedure that only women can have. Right. So obviously this is a site of contestation. And while I care very deeply about Roe and that legislation, I think we need to, if we can and we have the energy, expand our understanding about abortion rights in this country. Thank you, my friend. I oh, think you welcome. helped me, and I think you helped our listeners get I a handle so. on the expansion of this discussion so that we don't get caught up in the drumbeat of Roe, because it is taking up a lot of oxygen in a lot of rooms, and, and we need to expand it. And if yeah. that's what you understand, and that's where you feel comfortable in the space, like, please keep doing that. Like, we yeah. need folks to keep doing that. Sure. Let uh, maybe, you know, the people who are studying this let us just remind you it's more nuanced. Mm -hmm. But frankly, on your social media feeds, if that's the most effective yeah. way to speak to your newsfeed, then do it, right? Yeah. Keep protect, keep upholding Roe because that's a good pillar in this, but it's not the only pillar. Gee, it's like it's all about making choices. Oh, <laughs> choices. And we'll, that. we will leave you with that. Choice is a good thing choice. in all realms. Time for... Trumpster, Trumpster fire. 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 Amanda. Yes, Colleen. We got to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about? Well, I don't really want to talk about him. Just okay, because. Just to make sure everybody knows who Brett Kavanaugh is, he is Trump's nominee for the vacancy that will be created by the retirement of Justice Kennedy. Which on the Supreme shady. Court. Shady how that went down. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Brett Kavanaugh and not necessarily about him because he's almost like a cipher. It's almost hard to know what he thinks. Or I mean, we can look at judicial rulings and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I am not a legal scholar. No, so I'm not either. And I'm SCOTUS gonna, blog. That's why I follow SCOTUS right. blog because they do predictions. No, I uh, but I want to talk about how he came to be where he is okay. and how this is problematic. First of all, the announcement was so creepy. Did you watch the announcement that Donald Trump did? Did you watch it? I did not. Okay, well, let me describe uh, it for Because, you. like I said, I was following SCOTUS blog, so yeah. I so, saw it come so across my So there was a feed. press conference. Okay. And I watched it live, because I'm a sadomasochist. <laughs> and uh, so Donald Trump I talked think we for, all like, at this 10 point. minutes about himself, basically. Of course. And then he announced Brett Kavanaugh who came out with his wife and his children, Ugh. which was, I thought, very strange. Hmm. And Donald Trump kept talking about how, like, Brett Kavanaugh worked in soup kitchens and stuff. And I was like, is that the qualification we're looking for? Because I, you know, it, I felt like it was, you know what I felt like I was watching? <laughs> was a kid applying for college who is really grasping at straws and is like, oh, well, I served in a soup kitchen once, so I'm going to put that down. It was the weirdest, That's creepiest. Bizarre. I felt like I was watching some weird Stepford thing, and I felt bad for his wife and his children who mm. were standing there. I'm glad and I missed it. It was it was <laughs> this very it was very strange. It was very about Donald Trump and how he was doing this great thing, and then kind of paraded Brett Kavanaugh out, who talked for and who was very moved, right? And I I mean it was very moved. It was a huge moment for him and his family, yeah. and then goes back to Donald Trump. Like it was so it was very bizarre. I've never seen any SCOTUS announcement like it. It was all about Donald Trump and not about Brett Kavanaugh. 
per se. Although now, that doesn't surprise me. No, no, no. I mean, everything's but all about Donald Trump. Trump is, for, Trump is for Trump. Always. And forever. It was, it was unbelievable <laughs> to me. Why am I still shocked by this shit? So then, so then it just like re-exacerbated and opened those wounds about Merrick Garland. And if you remember, Merrick Garland was going mm-hmm. to be... Uh, Obama's pre- he was yeah. Obama's presidential his or nominee. SCOTUS nominee yeah. and uh, that was shot down by Mitch McConnell and his cronies because well, it was too close to well, the end the of rules. Obama they changed the rules right they changed the rules in order to prevent uh, a sitting president from nominating someone a justice to the Supreme Court because it was quote what too close to an election yes so the the, uh, the rich and deep irony of this now, and I think what you said when we were talking about this before is that you can't have it both ways. No. And I said to you, well, clearly you can. Yeah. Well, if you're the GOP, apparently you do get to have it both ways. You and get to you get to block in a nomination that you don't like because for a president who sat for eight years for eight years just because you just don't like it, and then you get to reverse your own fucking rule. And do it anyway when it fits your agenda. I mean, like, honestly, the, the th- this men, is playing the mental, politics in the worst possible it's, way. It, it, the men, but <laughs> so first I want to say the mental gymnastics that are being done to explain this away are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And second, it doesn't matter because they're going to get the seat. And this is all the, the, I swear to God, before the election, I just kept bringing up the Supreme Court because I Me think too. people forget mm-hmm. people forget that when you vote for this person, this they, they will have a lasting legacy in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you need a kidney, I will donate it to you. Need part of a liver? Do you need do you need <laughs> anything? I'm, I'm I saw somebody on Twitter say they're going to add 12 RBGs to their nightly prayers. You know, like rosaries. <laughs> like the Hail Mary. I was like Hail Mary. <laughs> sweet Jesus. We cannot expect this woman. She is going to have to die on the bench. Yeah. Because if he gets another nominee, we see now that he's going to be able to do anything. So Mm -hmm. if he gets a third seat and also P.S. Let's just point out another white dude. Just what the Supreme Court needed. Yeah. We are fucked. I mean, like this is the this is for me the line in the sand where I'm like, we're fucked. This is my whole rest of my life. Well, it's it going to be under this. It's Supreme the rest Court. of it's the rest of our natural lives because the the Supreme Court, uh, its its dynamic, its its makeup, will affect a generation. So we're talking like thirty years, right? We're talking about my kids' generation. You're talking about grow you're, up under the. She's the, six now, right? Yeah. So she's going to be thirty six, right? By the when time one of these leaves. when one of these guys you and know, Ruth Bader leaves. Ginsburg cannot live forever. No. I mean, she's, she's what is 84? she, 80? 82, 84? She's in her 80s. And she is a rock star. If she you is. haven't seen the movie about her, you oh, should go see it. Totally. But, I mean, you yep, can I, only, no. and she has said, if she cannot be at the peak of her game, like if she yep. feels like she's slipping at all, yep. she's going to leave. Yes. And so, which honestly, you can't blame her. She can't I blame I know, her. but it's like, I that's can blame a, Anthony Kennedy. Yeah, that's a huge burden for anybody to, to carry. And it is, it's, it's scary, but at the same time, I feel oddly calm because there isn't anything we can do to stop this. The only thing that we can do is if there's any way... See, that's the thing. We can't stop this. The Senate can't. But the, the senators in the GOP have no spine. And quite <laughs> frankly, a lot of them agree with Trump and they have no problem with this because the only thing the GOP has wanted for 
decades is to overturn Roe v. Wade is and to make seat. abortion illegal right. and to force women to have babies that they don't want or need. That's all the GOP wants is to force women to have babies. They're going to get their wish with this guy if he gets will. in. Yep. So the only way we can stop it is if there's some way to block it for, for little, literally the legislators who are already in office to block the nomination, to say no, to drag out the nomination process. And if that were to happen, and that's a big fucking a if, huge if. If, that was, if that was to happen and we wait until the midterm elections, if, and another big if, if the Democrats flip the Senate, not the House, because the Senate is the one that confirms nominations. So the Senate has to flip. So if the Senate flips, then there can literally be a block against this Kavanaugh guy and any other nomination that Trump wants to make. But those are two huge ifs. And I have no confidence in the people in those positions to make it happen. Nor do I. So we're we're kind of at a point where we're going, okay, so this is the reality on the ground. Now what do we do? Well, and it was funny because I texted you right when this happened. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to chain myself to a yeah. fence or something. I don't even know what to do anymore. And you're like, just go teach your classes and teach kids. That's yeah. a much better strategy. It is. But it does feel so it feels dire. Like it it feels, this, this feels dire to me. It does. But, you know, generations before us have dealt with... Um, big obstacles some would you could argue some much bigger obstacles and they died but they were dying in the streets because of it or dying in closets because they were giving themselves abortions but not everybody died and eventually you do make progress and improve things but it's things things are going to get they're going to get bad they're already bad they're going to get ugly uglier i agree and i mean i actually have a a friend on facebook she's just a normal person like regular like us and she was posting about like saying she knows she just wants to do something to prevent and she wants to start like an underground network of women who have couches that women can crash on and if you're in a state that is you that know, existed okay. before and it and will it, exist that's again. exactly and what pe- I thought. and feminists are already talking exactly about it. it's like i think that for the women in this country i think we are going to just have to pull together and if it means creating an underground network and we're taking that kind of legal risk to help another woman get an abortion that she needs i think we'll do it i mean that's that's we where we no, are we have no choice so yeah there's your there's your maga for you yeah hashtag maga <laughs> I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hey, Inside 254 listeners. Do you know why we started this podcast, Real Talk? To help you process and survive the daily barrage of bad news in the Trump era. Are you worried about the loss of women's rights to our own bodies? Are you angry about the cruelty of the GOP? Are you anxious about the upcoming November midterm elections? Like us, you feel frustrated, angry, sad, maybe even a touch of despair as you imagine the end of our democracy. We are in this fight together with you. Empower yourself by joining our community and feel less alone. 
So instead of buying us a cup of coffee to thank us for the work that we do, contribute a dollar a month to our podcast. Inside 254 helps you think clearly about important issues affecting your family, your job, and your community. We need you in this fight. Become a patron today. If you think for one second that the Capitol will ever treat us fairly, you are lying to yourself because we know who they are and what they do. This is what they do and we must fight back. We dedicate ourselves to collective resistance. Resistance to the billionaire mortgage profiteers and gentrifiers. Resistance to the healthcare privateers. As I have said, and as I believe, the advancement of the full participation of women and girls in every aspect of their societies is the great unfinished business of the 21st century. And not just for women, but for everyone. And not just in far away countries, but right here in the United States. Thank you for understanding that sometimes we must put our bodies where our beliefs are. Sometimes pressing send is not enough. <laughs> if, if we want to give all of our children a foundation for their dreams and opportunities worthy of their promise, if, if we want to give them that sense of limitless possibility, that belief that here in America there is always something better out there if you're willing to work for it, then we must work like never before. This episode's fierce woman warrior is... Sharice Davids. This is a tough place to be a woman. I've been put down, pushed aside, knocked out. Truth is, I've had to fight my whole life because of who I am, who I love, and where I started. But I didn't let anything get in my way. Still, it's 2018, and women, Native Americans, gay people, the unemployed and underemployed, have to fight like hell just to survive. And it's clear, Trump and the Republicans in Washington don't give a damn about anyone like me or anyone that doesn't think like them. Enough. That's why I'm running for Congress. And one thing's for sure, I won't back down. Because progress is undefeated. We just need to fight for it. Are you ready? Sharice Davids is an openly LGBTQ Native American woman who won her Democratic primary for the Kansas 3rd Congressional District. Sharice is a member of the Ho-Chunk Nation, an attorney who served as a White House fellow during the Obama administration, a former MMA fighter who was raised by a single mom who is an Army veteran, 
and she won her primary in August against a former Bernie Sanders staffer by a little over 2,000 votes. Vox is calling her victory, quote, another data point to show that 2018 is the year of the woman. Emily's List has endorsed her. Sharice wants to prioritize access to public education and support loan forgiveness for those entering public service, two things that are close to our hearts here at Inside 254. She wants to treat gun violence as a public health issue, and she promises not to accept any campaign contributions or endorsements from the gun lobby. She also wants to fight to protect DACA recipients or DREAMers and to combat voter restrictions. If Sharice is elected this November, she would be the first Native American woman in Congress. Visit Emily's List or Sharice's official campaign page at shariceforcongress.com to learn more about this fierce woman warrior. And if you have friends in Kansas, ask them to vote for Sharice this November. If you know a fierce woman warrior who is taking action in her community in some way, please send her name and information to us at inside254podcast at gmail.com or send us a private message through our Facebook page. And we will do the necessary research, reach out to this person, but this is not an interview segment. As you see, this is about amplifying women's advocacy and work in communities. So nominate a Fierce Woman Warrior today. Let's take a time out for a Media Minute. People, I have a feminist dystopian fiction problem. I cannot stop reading these books. Unfortunately... The publishing world is providing, so thank you. So today I'm going to talk about a little bit about Lenny Zumas's Red Clocks novel, and this falls under this same category that I would... You see this novel mentioned in the same breath as Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood and The Power by Alderman that I talked about a few episodes ago. And I would add to these reviews, I feel like they're really missing out on adding Louise Erdrich's Future Home of the Living God. That definitely falls into this contemporary feminist dystopian fiction addiction that I have. So Lenny Zumas's novel is about abortion. Um, One of the main characters is named Roe. I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but I will say that if you liked all those other books that I listed... Zumas's novel falls under that same umbrella, and but its specific focus is what would happen if abortion were made illegal. So if you're interested in anything having to do with that topic, it's a great book. It's also being really well-reviewed, again, in the same breath as some of these other books that are out right now. And of course, we know Handmaid's Tale is really popular as well. Check it out. You'll find some of the wordplay delightful. You'll find the themes terrifying. This is like my favorite kind of book. So I admit to you right now that I have a feminist dystopian fiction problem, and I'm going to share it with you. And hopefully these books will keep coming out so I can keep telling you about them. Let's end today's podcast with some activist actions. Do some research. Find the pro-choice candidates running for office in your district, both local at the state and national levels and help them win. Maybe you use money, maybe you go door knocking, volunteering for their campaign, or really 
just sharing their information on social media and encouraging your friends and neighbors and colleagues to vote for those people. Vote for pro-choice candidates this November, but do your research today. Thanks for spending time with us inside 254. You can find us a lot of places online. On Facebook, we're at Inside 254 Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Inside 254 Pod. On Instagram, we are at Inside 254. And on WordPress, where we post links and places that you can go to donate or learn more about our activist actions, we're at Inside254Site.wordpress.com. You can find our free episodes on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and you can also just Google us. There are two things you can do to help us build audience today. You can go onto Facebook, click one of those stars, and leave a comment as feedback, and then you can go to your listening platform and rate us on there as well. By doing those two things, that's going to get our word out and help us build our audience. Thank you for helping us grow.